Good morning. I want to greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. It truly is a beautiful day out there. You know, I woke up during the night and the wind was howling and it was, I could tell it was snowing and cold and dark. And then this morning it's beautiful. And our lives are like that sometimes, aren't they? We go through dark times and then the sun shines again. And, and, uh, but I'll never forget what one, one person told me one time. He said, it's a beautiful day and the sun is shining. So every day is beautiful, isn't it? <clears throat> I'd like to read from James chapter 3 this morning. Um, the first 12 verses. Talking about the tongue. And... You know, I share messages from time to time, and so many times I feel like I'm just preaching to myself up here. Um, This is another one of those times. So you can listen as I talk to myself, I guess. James chapter 3, the first 12 verses. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So, uh, going back to verse 2 there, it's talking about if, if a man is a... We as humans will offend people. There's a lots of different ways to offend people. Um, but if a man doesn't offend in word, it says that he's a perfect man. Who among us here feels like we're perfect in this? The NIV says, We all stumble in many ways, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Um, how do we do that? How do, how do we um, watch our words carefully enough that we never offend anyone or never cause anyone to stumble? It's only by the grace of God that that can happen. And uh, verse 3 and 4, verse 3 is talking about 
putting a bit in a horse's mouth, you know, a bit is not a very big thing. It's just this small piece of metal, steel. And then we have reins attached to that bit. Ryan knows all about this. Um, a horse is a big animal. I mean, I don't know what they weigh, maybe a thousand pounds or more, a big horse. You put that little bit in their mouth and you can, you can turn them. Turn their body around wherever you want, to, want, to, want them to go and make them do lots of useful things guided by the master's hand. Very important that those reins are guided by the master's hand. There's a connection there between the master's hand and the horse's bit, and that is through the reins. <clears throat> Verse 4 talks about these great ships. Um, we were in Hawaii one time, and what we... Out of our motel window, we could see these ships coming into port, huge ships, loaded with cargo. And I don't, I've never been on a ship. I think it would be very interesting to, to be on a, a, some of those big ships and watch them come in and see how that all works. But there was something guiding those ships in, into the port and uh, unloading their tremendously big loads. Well, those things are, are out in the ocean, and there's, there's vicious winds out there. And there's this little rudder in the back guiding that ship. And I have no idea how the connection, what the connection is, you know, how they, I know they've got this big wheel that they turn, on some of them anyway, I've seen pictures. But there's a connection between that wheel and the rudder. And that connection also is very, very important. Um, they don't want that connection to break because then the, the wind will drive the ship into the rocks and it'll be total chaos. So very, very important connection there. <clears throat> um, goes on to talk about in, in uh, verse 7, all kinds of different animals that have been trained and tamed by mankind um, animals, snakes, fish out of the sea. We were, I don't remember where we were, somewhere at a sea world, and they had a killer whale there that a man was doing tricks with. Um, he was, it was coming up out of the water and jumping through hoops and doing all kinds of different things. And then this thing, this great big old whale came shooting up on a platform and out of the water and laid there on the on the dock. And then it opened its mouth, great big old teeth, and he reached inside and patted its tongue. I wouldn't have done that for anything, but he was he he had faith in this whale that he he had trained. Man can do that. Man can do amazing things with these animals. And yet it says that in verse eight, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So what is he what is James talking about here? I believe he's talking about an an unregenerate tongue, one that's not given over to the authority of Jesus Christ. Um, it's a it's a tongue that's full of deadly poison when it's when it's not given over to the power of Jesus. <clears throat> I'd also like to read in Romans. Uh, chapter 3, a couple of verses there. Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. 
These are not very encouraging verses, really, just of themselves here. Romans, 10, Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, their, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is, uh, asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Quite a dark picture of mankind in their in his unregenerate state. <clears throat> um, how much better is it if our hearts are guided by the Master? Um, you know what's in our heart comes out through our mouth, through our tongue. We use our tongue to express ourselves, give our thoughts. And how much better is it when, our, when God is holding the reins to our heart, when he's guiding our tongue, and in that way our tongue honors and glorifies him, brings him praise and glory. Um, not to say that we don't sometimes fail, or, and also not to make excuses for that. As Christians, we do sometimes fail and words slip out they shouldn't. But we have to go back and make and correct that and make that right. <clears throat> but it's very important, again, that God is holding those reins, guiding our heart and uh, giving us wisdom in that. <clears throat> I'd like to share a little, a little story here to bring out that point even, even better. <clears throat> On January 29, 1943, a Douglas B-23 bomber departed to Nopa and Nevada. I don't know if Mikey's here this morning. I'm not sure I'm saying that town name right. But anyway, they took off out of Tonopa, Nevada, bound for McCord Air Force Base in Tacoma, Washington, with eight crew members on board. Some of you might remember this story. About an hour and 15 minutes into the flight, the pilot requested an altitude of 12,500 feet to avoid bad weather. There was a cloud layer that he was trying to stay above because he did not want to get into the clouds and get icing on his wings, <clears throat> an ice layer built up on his wings. Remember, this is 1943 in the wintertime. Um, about the same time he requested an altitude change, Seattle Center called him and advised him that the weather at McCord was not fit, and they, they advised him, um, or they rerouted him to Pendleton, Oregon. And about 45 minutes later, they again made some navigation changes. Um, they were trying to avoid more bad weather. It was a big storm. But it didn't do a whole lot of good. The, they got into some clouds, and the plane iced up pretty bad. They actually lost all communication. They weren't able to communicate with, with uh, Seattle Center anymore. And the navigational equipment stopped working. I'm guessing it was probably because of the ice buildup on the plane. So they were really in a lot of trouble here. 
Um, he did he did a few different things to try to try to help that out. He dropped down in altitude, maybe trying to get rid of some ice and turn in different directions and, and just trying to dodge this storm. Uh, Bob Orr was the pilot. He was a low time pilot. He only had like 332 hours total flight time. And uh, so he made a couple of more heading changes over the next half hour, maybe even an hour. <clears throat> and by now he started worrying about his fuel. So he did a, he did a quick calculation and figured they had about one hour of fuel remaining. So they'd gone from Nevada, were headed to Seattle, and it ended up turning around and coming back. They picked up the Boise uh, radio. There's this signal that it gave out back then. They were able to pick that up for a short time and followed it a little bit. They followed a train track for a little bit, down low, and then climbed again back up to like 19,000 feet. So there was a lot of turning and maneuvering and doing all these different things to try to avoid this bad weather. And finally, through the clouds and the mountainous terrain, one of the crew spotted a clearing down below. And or it appeared to be a, a large snow-covered clearing. And figuring he had nothing to lose, Orr told the crew to prepare for a crash landing. He said he's gonna he's gonna take it in and just land this thing. And so he circled around the, the clearing a couple times trying to slow this thing down. And uh, at least as much as possible, but the flaps were frozen and he couldn't, couldn't drop them down. And the first attempt to come in, he was way too high and way too fast. So he gunned the engine and it backfired. The one engine backfired and caught on fire, but he was able to do a big loop and come around again. Still a little bit high, a little bit fast, but he chopped the power and came in. Missed the clearing by 50 yards and crashed through the trees and everything stopped right there. Miraculously, all eight crew members survived. Uh, two of them were hurt fairly bad. The one was hurt pretty serious, but he, he was okay. Uh, Fifteen days later, they were rescued after... I think three of them had hiked all the way to McCall. But what does this story have to do with our tongue? Um, in the back of the plane, way down underneath the rudder, was this little thing. Not a very big piece of aluminum. But this here pipe was fastened to the rudder. Through these two little holes right here was two cables going up to Bob Orr's rudder pedals. By pushing the right rudder, it turned this thing and turned the plane to the right. Left rudder made it turn to the left. Very, very important that those cables were attached. Um, as long as they were attached, the plane did what the pilot wanted it to do. So. Um, this plane was not a small plane. It was, it was rather large. It had a wingspan of 92 feet. It measured 58 feet, 2 inches from the nose to the tail. And it weighed in at 19,090 pounds empty. I think loaded it could haul, or it, it, was, it weighed gross 
takeoff weight was like 39,000 some pounds. Really, really heavy hauler. Its two engines cranked out a total of 3,200 horsepower. This was a very powerful plane guided by a small turning device. As long as these cables were attached, it worked beautifully. Even though it was iced up, low on fuel, this part of it still worked. Through lots of trouble and difficult things, these cables were strong and they held, they held on and turned the plane correctly. <clears throat> How does that compare to our lives? Is that, is that cable fastened? Is that connection good? Is it, is it strong enough when we get into the storms? <clears throat> you know, I don't know what the ratio, weight ratio is between this little piece of aluminum and the weight of that plane. And I don't know what the rate, weight ratio is between our tongue and our body weight. That varies quite a bit, I'm sure. Um, our tongue is a small little thing, and yet it, yet it has quite a bit of power. Um, verse 6 says, verse 6 of James 3 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and set on fire of hell, if those reins aren't guided by the Master's hand. Um, can't, can't stress the importance of that enough. <clears throat> so uh, there's, there's some things that we can do. There's some verses here that I'd like to read that help us remember. And we talked about remembering this morning. I really appreciated the, the devotions that were shared this morning there, Chad. <clears throat> um, things that help us remember when we're... Maybe, you know, there's times in our lives when, when we're kind of caught off guard and words come out and things happen that we're not quite ready for it. So there's, there's things that we can, as we ask God, I know there's, I don't want to, I don't want to let us think that there's things of ourselves that we can do, but through God's help, we can, we can, uh, do better at this. Proverbs 12:25 says, "Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad." Isn't that so true? I don't know how many of you have been maybe stooped with heaviness in the heart and and somebody comes up and just gives you a word of encouragement and that is so helpful. Just a kind word. Um, "Hey, I'm thinking about you today. Praying for you." That can be so encouraging. Using our tongue to encourage someone to lift the heaviness that's on their heart. <clears throat> Proverbs twenty five eleven says, "A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver." Um, wow, a word fitly spoken. And and I was thinking about this, you know. I'm, I'm often at a loss of words. What do you say in different times? What do you say to people? But I think the Holy Spirit will bring those words to us as, as we need them. 
Words fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. I don't quite understand the apples of gold in pitchers of silver, but it's a very, it's a very beautiful thing when, when words are used properly. <clears throat> and if we're open to the Holy Spirit's leading, he will, he will give us words at the right time. <clears throat> um, and then on down in Proverbs 25, 15, it's another interesting one. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. That's a very interesting verse to me. A soft tongue breaketh the bone. How do you use something soft to break something that's hard? I feel like this was demonstrated very well to me one day. Um, I'd flown into uh, Toronto, Ontario, and Kevin, actually I'd, I'd been at a, at a meeting there, and Kevin Bauman was taking me back to the airport, uh, driving through Toronto, and we noticed there was a policeman had somebody stopped up ahead of us. So he scooted over. There was three lanes, I believe. Kevin went over to the center lane. Well, we just got past him, and that cop took off and just nailed Kevin. It had parked. The previous guy that he had stopped had parked on the left side. Well, this cop came up and just gave it to Kevin. He said, you get over on that side. And he was very strong about it not not kind at all so kevin crossed three lanes and parked on the other side he came up again and just just really gave it to him and you know we don't know what that policeman had been through that day no idea it must have been really rough but i had i really had to admire kevin's response he just spoke very softly said you know I've got about 30 vehicles here in my business. And he said the sticker, the policeman's, his problem was that the little sticker on his license plate was expired. And he said, Kevin told him, I've got this sticker on my desk at home, and I just, I just completely forgot to change it over to, to put it on my license plate. And it, it did calm the policeman down a little bit. He's, he's sort of settled down, but there was still something bugging him. Anyway, Kevin took his fine, $100 fine, and, and away we went. Um, a soft tongue breaketh the bone. If Kevin would have responded improperly and yelled back at the policeman, I think that could have turned out really bad. But he didn't. He, he gave a soft answer. And uh, again, for us, you know, we don't know what the other person's facing that day in his life. Maybe, maybe he's going through a really bad time. If we can just remember to give a soft answer and, and ask the Spirit's help with that. <clears throat> um, I was given some really good advice one time. We were, it was just before we moved down to Guatemala and we were going to, you know, I was planning to fly the plane down there some and and somebody gave me some advice. He said, you know, when you're flying along and you need to make a quick decision, just, if you can, just stop and count to 10 before you make these decisions. And uh, I thought that was really, really good advice. You know, there's some times when you might have to count pretty fast to 10 and then make your decision because you've got to be quick. Um, 
I think that applies well to this. When you're caught in a, in a situation or something comes up suddenly, maybe just try to count to 10 before you respond. Not one of the five, six, nine, 10, boom, answer. Count slowly. Give the spirit time to work and, and listen. Be, be re- willing to listen to what he has for you. Sometimes we might need to say, hang on, honey, I'm counting to 10. Um, I think I kind of had to do that this morning, and then I had to count to 10 twice and then bit my lip and never did say anything. <laughs> we, we end up in those situations. It's, it's how life is. And if we can just give the Holy Spirit time to work, it comes out a whole lot better. <clears throat> so I'd like to leave us with these, with these verses here in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, 13 to 22. I thought they, they um, brought this out very well. It says, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and, the, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of an, a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate righteous shall be desolate. The Lord remembereth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. What a wonderful promise for God's, for God's people. And uh, as we go through life, let's keep that line firmly attached to the Father's hand, and he can guide us, he can guide our heart, and so that what comes out of our heart through our mouth will bring him honor and glory, and uh, we praise him. Let's have another song.